Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, a podcast for new and aspiring leaders within the transportation and logistics industry. I'm your host, AP, and along with Matt Loggins, we have over 20 years of combined experience within the transportation and logistics industry. But more importantly, we're young, hungry, and nimble, and we've used that to our advantage to navigate, advance, and grow in an ever-changing industry. So without further ado, here is the Driving Force Podcast. Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, everyone. AP and I are excited today uh, about our guest. Yeah, Matt, uh, on today's show, we have a colleague of yours who you work with in the past, correct? Yes, Josh Peak, Senior Replenishment Manager at Walmart. Uh, we worked together in the past. I believe his journey, his experiences, lessons learned could really benefit our audience. Yeah, uh, so Josh, uh, thank you for taking time to chat today and, and being a guest of the Driving Force Podcast. Yeah, AP, Matt, I appreciate it. I, I really do uh, appreciate you guys having me on today. All right, Pete, well, let's get started. Uh, can you can kind of walk us through your journey into supply chain? Yeah, of course. Um, so it's been an interesting journey. And I think, you know, thinking back now, 10, 11 years being in supply chain transportation, uh, it's not exactly what I envisioned doing over the last 10 to 11 years, right? Like a lot of us. Um, but it was very interesting. I remember I was 19 years old, living in Northwest Arkansas, and I was dating a girl at the time, and her dad was an engineer for JB Hunt Transportation, right? Um, he was the one that actually got me a job at JB Hunt at the time. And so I was thinking I was gonna be coming up there, doing some kind of coding or something engineer-like. Uh, instead, I went to a department called CDP, and that's where Matt and I met. Uh, it's corporate driver personnel. And what it was is it was screening drivers, right? So doing their their investigations on them, scheduling them to get set up with recruiters to potentially get hired with JB Hunt. And that's where it started, right? And that's when I got into transportation. So it was more of the recruiting slash, maybe I guess you'd call it HR side. Then after doing that for a couple of years, um, I went over to the other side of JB Hunt, which would, would, would have been um, the marketing side. They, counted, they called it an account rep. And within that job, that's when I got more into the business of transportation. So that's allocating freight within lanes through customers, whether it be Walmart, Target, Kroger, whomever, right? Um, working internally with intermodal teams, moving rail freight uh, over the road um, and other cross-functional teams within JB Hunt. So it was more into the business uh, than what I had previously in that CDP role with driver recruiting. Uh, at that point, um, Walmart being right around the corner, the home office here in Northwest Arkansas, I kind of wanted to take a jump to the other side and see what that was about. And so in 2013, I actually left JB Hunt and took a similar role at Walmart doing what I did as an account rep, except I took on some more projects within that role. So when you think about projects at Walmart, there seems to be always something going on, right? Or for the most part, any retailer. Um, so I worked on a lot of stuff when you think of like annual event, which would be like Black Friday. Um, you think of uh, springtime, so like lawn and gardens blowing up with like, you know, Scott seed uh, and all the stuff for, you know, your lawn and garden. And then you've got Christmas, you've got Fourth of July. So there's all these big events. And so it was super cool because I still got to take a lot of the stuff I had from JB Hunt, which really helped me move, move my career forward there 
plus I was able to take on those projects that I could check that box and say, hey, now I've got the project management going on, right? So that was really, yeah, that was really cool. Um, then from there, they actually created um, a brand new role, which was a supply chain manager at that time within Walmart for a different sector in the company. And what that was, that was solely project management stuff, right? So um, some of the stuff I worked on was LTL full truckload. So if you think about it from like a vendor perspective today, um, some vendors are small, some vendors are big, right? And so what I would do is throughout the year is I would do data analysis to understand this time of the year, I could actually put this vendor on a full truckload setting to make sure they're shipping as efficient as possible, right? And then whenever they're in the back half of the year to where they lost their volume just because people aren't buying that product potentially, um, I would flip them back to a less than truckload LTL. And what that would do is that would ship them to a more efficient volume standpoint for that period of time. And so what that does is that drives cost of goods back to either Walmart if we're paying for it or potentially the supplier if they're paying for it, right? And then I worked on some other stuff with cube utilization, so how we actually build the trucks out, and that was cool because I got to travel a little bit and work with um, some suppliers and vendors and their ship points and help them ship more efficient, how they receive their product in more efficient. Um, and so that was really rewarding because a lot of suppliers, believe it or not, don't get the best education from the retailers. Uh, and I, I, you know, and I, that, that's something that um, I've really challenged uh, a lot of the teams I've worked on with is to make sure that we have the best one pagers, the best uh, one best way documents to in order to help anybody, whether it be vendor or internally. Um, and then I worked on a few other transportation projects within that supply chain manager role. A lot of forecasting analyst stuff that, that you're looking at a lot of data to see what you need to do. Yeah. So, so before we, you know, don't, I, I think you, you touch on a big point um, that I guess a lot of us kind of overlook within the industry is, is how Walmart builds that, those efficiencies into, you know, things that we don't really think about, right? Like, you know, having the, that interaction with the, with the shipper or carrier and, and helping them be more efficient helps Walmart be more efficient down the road, right? That's, that's correct. It's totally correct. Um, it's, it's so important um, to the supply chain anymore. If you think about how we're moving stuff, and as you guys know, um, the the drive your the, the driving market right now and the candidate pool for drivers is drying up. That, that's that's a couple that's a that's a few generations ago, right? And so uh, it's getting very scarce. So the more efficient that we can be with moving product right now the better off we're all going to be. Because I think we've got some problems ahead that potentially we need to start figuring out and working on, which I'm sure a lot of people are. And I've, I've got some great stuff I'd love to share with you, but I can't share everything today. Um, you hey, know, we'll have you on we... again. That, that's what we'll do. <laughs> Part two. Yeah. Uh, to how we're going to combat that, right? I think that's something that we definitely are looking at over the next five to 10 to 15 years um, as that starts to shrink up. But to your point, Matt, so from the supply chain role, then I rolled right into replenishment, right? Um, and this is as much in the business as you could get with any role in the company. Um, between replenishment and buying, it's kind of the heart and soul and backbone of Walmart, right? You need the buyers to go buy the products um, to make sure that we have the right assortments on the shelf for the customers. But you need the replenishment team to make sure the products actually flow into the shelves so people can buy it so then that we can return a profit and actually draw revenue back into the company, right? And so um, this role has taught me so much 
um, internally at Walmart, but also I've learned a lot that I've taken back to my home life with my family and stuff as well that I've incorporated into my finances, uh, to how I am as a person, to how I negotiate going forward with different deals, whether it be my house, my car, um, or just random things that, you know, at, at Lowe's or something like that, if you're trying to, you know, wheel and deal a little bit. Um, but the, the replenishment role, you know, is it's solely based on forecasting data and analytics. And then you have to have a big, um, you, you should be very buttoned up with your communication skills when it comes to um, vendors. And then also cross-functionally working with multiple teams in the company because on a day-to-day basis, I probably touch, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 different teams in the company, depending on what I'm working on. Um, so you have to be able to juggle all the different teams and what they're needing and wanting from you. That's great information. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not just focused solely on your little area. You're focused on your area and how it impacts all these other areas. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Um you know, it's crazy with all the pandemic stuff, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that over the, the next few questions, I'm sure. But um, Walmart's so big. And so when you think about going fast, we go fast, but we don't go as fast because there's so many moving pieces and it all has, it all has to sync up at the right time. Right. So what we've done over the last three months is what would have took us three years, a lot of the stuff. And that's some of the stuff, you know, that John Ferner and Doug McMillan, the CEOs right now are talking about, and they're, they're sharing that openly with, um, you know, the public. And I think they've got some podcasts going too. Um, but that's just crazy to think about. I mean, there's been so much stuff from like a dot-com perspective that we've been working and trying to do that no longer could, you know, we sit on our hands and try to just, figure out how we were going to make it work. We just jumped right in and said, we got to make it work, right? Like if we break it, we'll fix it. And that's kind of the mentality we've had the last couple of months. And I'll tell you what, it's looking real good right now. Yeah. So I think that, that, that's a, a probably another topic for another day, but I think our industry is really hard. It, 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 we don't pivot well, right? I mean, when, when we're only, we only, we're, when we're, we only change when we're forced to change uh, when you know, the ELDs, it is good, good of example as any, right? You know, uh, people fought and, and, and banged their head against the wall. Um, but it was good for the industry. It was good for all of us to be more efficient with our time and, and, and help our drivers, the, 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 the finite commodity that they are, um, uh, get home at night and, 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 and be more efficient with their time and, and be as safe as they can on, on highways and byways uh, every single day that they're delivering products. So a, a big theme of our 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 podcast, uh, Josh, is that you know we we, we focus on how mentorships and how um, uh, those relationships are important to growth, uh, whether it be internal or external growth. So you know along your journey, uh, who were your mentors along the way that 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 were helping you when you were making the transitions? Yeah, so I've had a couple different ones. Um, some still at Walmart. Some have moved on to either retire or probably um, a better life they're living potentially. I don't know. But um, I remember uh, a gentleman, Jason Job. He was a vice president over um, the soft lines. So that would be like your apparel, 
um, side of the business. Then he had some GM, so um, your outdoor lawn and garden, some of those as well. And so I had multiple men mentor meetings with him, probably over a year to year and a half um, basis with him. And it, it was just great stuff, you know. Coming in, you know, I'm still green. I think I was only a couple years into to Walmart at the time. And so I, I thought I knew retail until I sat down with him and he just made my head spin. He, the great thing about him is he, he would challenge me in these meetings just to think outside the box, you know. And at the end of the day, uh, what's helped me through my career at Walmart is I'm a customer just like everybody else. AP, you're a customer. Matt, you're a customer, right? And so when we're shopping, we know the things we want and the things that we don't want how we want to interact with the associates, how we don't, the people that we rub elbows with when we're going down the aisles, you know? So he would challenge me to how we can make all those kind of things better. And then also depending on what kind of business I was working in, or I should say projects I was on, um, you know, he would have, you know, project scopes and stuff like that to push me um, to think better, to, to lean on other people in the company, um, you know, to work smarter, not harder and to still, you know, to still shamelessly from people if they had stuff built, you know, and so, uh, kudos to Jason, Jason Job. He, he was a great mentor to me. Um, and I learned a lot from the guy over the, just a couple of years I interacted with him. What, what are some of the things that, that you looked for when you were looking at who you aligned with? So I think reputation means a lot. Now, there's a lot of gossip in companies as there is, right? So it's, oh, this guy did this or, you know, she did that. Um, so you got to take that to a grain of salt with stuff. And so you just kind of got to, there's kind of a little touch and go with how you interact with people, right? And so, you know, I spent a couple months leading into it to understand just how he was as a person, you know, and I think the thing that, you know, kind of set me over the top with him was his servant leadership. Right. And that, that's a big deal. And I feel like today that we struggle seeing a lot of that anymore. I feel like um, you see a lot of executives or higher ups that just sit up there and there's a lot of finger pointing. And so to me, um, that doesn't bode well with me. I love someone that still can get down in the weeds or can interact or, you know, uh, be calm, cool and collected and just down to earth with me. And, you know, that's the thing that resonated with me. And so him and I just hit it off. It may not have been the same for somebody else. Um, but that definitely like we, we just clicked and from there on it went great. Like I said, it, there were some tough times, you know, I, he was still, um, you know, my, my SVP at the time. Um, and so he had some, you know, tough, some tough, uh, goals and objectives for objectives for me. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's pushed me and made me a lot better person in a lot of different ways. And it's made me grow within the company for sure. Expounding on that, right. You know, that's kind of what the best mentors do, right. They, they put you on that uncomfortable ground where they, you know, they think you can swim, but they don't know until you get in the water, you know, and, and, and they, they, they see you struggle a little bit and they see you kind of try to find your way uh, and they give you some guidance along the way, but they don't rescue you, you know, immediately. They let you kind of get, get your own bearings before they, 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 they step in. That's right. And I'm, I'm, I promise you, he saw me sink more than I swam there at the beginning. So uh, he, he threw in a few floaties and said, uh, you'll be all right, find your way out. So, <laughs> And we all go through that, I think. I mean, to your point, Josh, I mean, we all, um, whether it's a, starting a new role or uh, taking on a new challenge or new project, we, we may struggle at first, right? And we need some guidance and some leadership. And so to your point, servant leadership, that's what that's all about is somebody that's willing to get down in the in there with you and, and be there for you to help you not just say, Hey, go figure it out. That's right. You know, and the one thing I'll, I'll piggyback on with it on that is, you know, there, there's another program that rolled out. I want to say maybe two years ago. 
Um, it's called develop to lead. And so you have to be selected into that one from senior leadership, um, uh, people just to bring into that. And so I've been doing, I was actually selected the middle of last year. And so I've been writing that out. And so what that is, is you kind of, one of the senior leaders takes your their wing. Um, and more or less, it's kind of like a day in their shoes and they challenge you somewhat similar to how Jason challenged me, but just from a different aspect. And so that's looking at, you know, managing direct reports, you know, some financials, uh, rolling up, you know, when it comes to evaluations and all, all that kind of stuff that would come in with like um, a senior leadership role. And so I've been doing that for the last year and, you know, I've, I've learned a lot through that. And that's definitely made me think, uh, look at things differently um, today than what I did previously with some of my, my, some of my senior leadership. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a, that's the leadership pipeline, right? I mean, that's they're 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 building their bench strength for the next the, the next iteration of their company, and they're they're exposing you guys to things that uh, you may need to be exposed to, and you may not understand it, you know, at the time you're exposed to it, but uh, it'll become familiar to you when you get into those roles within the organization. So as we think about uh, the, the industry going forward, uh, how, how do you see the future of replenishment and supply chain overall, you know, uh, look going forward, uh, knowing that this pandemic has kind of forced us to pivot probably faster than we would have any other time within an industry? Um, I think it's opened the eyes to a lot of people. And I think what's been, again, um, super rewarding. And um, I'm hoping that, you know, things go through the way we expect them to based on the conversations that are happening with these top retailers in America is we, we, we bring stuff back home to America. I think that's important. I don't know if we bring everything, but we definitely need to start bringing stuff back domestically. Um, I think we got exposed in a lot of ways um, and a lot of people understand that, but I think it's going to be super important to bring more USA jobs back, bring manufacturing back here. Uh, and get that that pipeline going. Obviously, we're kind of in a, a weird time right now with forlowing and um, unfortunately people losing their jobs. And hopefully, you know, with the phasing back in, people will start getting their jobs back and we can get back up on our feet and continue operating how we typically do. Um, but I think it's going to be super important that we bring, you know, a lot of stuff back to America. And on top of that, you know, once that happens, if it happens, if you think about it from a transportation perspective, I mean, we're going to blow up again. So that's why I say we got to get smart with what we're going to do with putting drivers in trucks um, or or potentially, you know, getting more efficient with the rail yards and how we're moving stuff. Um, so I think it could be, you know, just kind of a domino effect if we start to see things come back as I'm hearing and somewhat seeing a little bit. Yeah. And to your point, we're so reliant on some of these external countries like China uh, for our, a lot of our imports, you know, steel or, or what have you. And, and so, especially during a time like this, we're struggling big time because not only are you waiting on, on the goods, you're waiting longer because it takes so long to get here already and you're just adding to that. Yep. Lead, lead times are, are huge, right? And so if we can, you know, slash those in half or even make them, you know, shorter than that, that's going to be great. And from a replenishment standpoint, um, if you think about safety stock, and how vendors are buying that product and Walmart then buys it and we sit on it, our distribution centers potentially. I think 
this was definitely a huge learning uh, for things that happen in the future. Let's, let's say we don't have another COVID event, but we have a bad flu season. I mean, some of the same things happen with, you know, stocking up and some of the medicines and stuff like that. So this better prepares these big retailers to understand how they need to build into these seasons, right? So every fall we usually have a flu. So we, we typically build for it. Sometimes we don't know how bad it's going to be, but this will definitely help us to make sure that we have the additional safety stock going forward to make sure that we're better prepared for anything that happens like this. And this would be for any other event, but I'm specifically speaking to like flu and the sick season. A lot of the apprehension with our industry, you know, um, not having, uh, you know, a, a lot of stock on hand was the, the, the overhead cost in that, right? And so I think now what this event has exposed is that the overhead cost is nominal if you can't get the stuff you need within two months, you know? Um, and so I think people's budgets will have to change. Their perspective on costs will have to change. Uh, and, and and not only cost, but cost of ownership, right? I mean, that, that's two different things that our industry doesn't really delineate pretty, you know, uh, well enough just yet. Um, because they, you know, a lot of people in the industry see costs as costs uh, and they don't see the cost of ownership uh, that's associated with that. The true cost of ownership that's associated with that. You just, you just nailed it. I mean... I was going to touch on the budget piece and they're shot, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, it's really, everyone's got to run a P&L and they got to hit their budgets. Um, but I, th I think you did, you just laid it out perfectly, AP. And so at the end of the day, it's, we got to take care of America, you know? And I feel like, you know, Walmart, I, I feel very proud to work for Walmart today because I feel like they've, they've stepped up and they've really done a great job as well as, as well as other retailers, um, you know, but we had to take a hard look at the budgets and the inventories we were pushing, you know, and at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do for the customer. And we'll work out what we've got going on internally. Um, I'm sure like any other retailer will as well, but um, we just got to make sure that we're taking care of the customers in America first right now. Well, and it makes it even more important what you touched on earlier, having those relationships with those vendors and those suppliers, to especially, you know, all the time, but especially during something like this. And, and when you really need help, you, you know who to go to and, and you know what you're going to get from that person and, and how it's going to help you and Walmart. So, so kind of going a little bit further into like, if you could give your yourself, uh, you know, some, some advice or, or somebody new getting into the, the industry, um, supply chain replenishment, what, what should they be doing right now? Like if they just graduated, what should they be doing to prepare for the type of role that you have now? Obviously it takes steps to get there, but what should they do to kind of get ready for something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and that's, so funny you asked me that because um, we've been going through some renditions right now to put a deck together for interns and future uh, candidates coming into Walmart, right? And so I don't think it's any secret how important technology is right now and how it's only going to continue to grow. Um, the one thing that's going to set you apart from anyone else is being able to have uh, great critical thinking skills and being analytical. I think those two right there alone definitely set you up for success. I think um, another one that 
that's a great quality that could definitely help you in um, would just be, you know, the people communication skills. You have to be able to interact with people. You can't just be a robot behind a desk and be super good at coding and stuff like that. It's important to be able to look at the numbers and do that kind of stuff, but you have to be able to tell a story right now. Right. And so I think that's what I've learned over the last couple of years is when you get all this data and stuff, how do you tell the story with it? Because that's what everyone's wanting to know. So, but you have to be able to get the data before you tell it. And so it's kind of like finding a unicorn sometimes, right? Because you're either good at one thing and bad at the other, you know. There are, there are too many analytical people that are good at telling stories. <laughs> Josh, that's like, that's like, that's like an oxymoron. <laughs> you're, you're the unicorn, sir. <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't say that. I'm still working on the analytical skills. No, but, but, but that's, that's important. Right. And so I guess, Josh, you know, how would, you know, what should people who need to be analytical be exposed to and, and how should people who need to learn to tell a story be exposed to, can you kind of touch and dive, dive a little bit deeper into that? I would say from an analytical side, uh, you should be able to have a decent financial acumen. Um, this is one thing I've really had to focus hard on the last year to get strong at it. And I wouldn't even say I'm strong. I'd say I'm just mediocre with it, right? Um, but I'm dangerous enough in it to start rolling numbers up to leadership and I feel confident. But you should have a good financial acumen or at least be able to dabble it in a little bit. You should be able to touch in systems, um, query systems, whether it be SQL, uh, which is Teradata, Altrix, um, or whatever the retailer has from a, a query system. Um, definitely important to maybe look at just some easy coding classes. And I know it sounds crazy like, oh, I'm coding, but um, I think it's really important because if you think about it from a query standpoint, you're backdooring data. And that's really important to get to any kind of financial information. If you're looking at like OTIF, which is your on-time and full stuff, if you're looking at the transportation side, you have to be able to roll that data up and find it. And that's the easiest and fastest way to do it. And if you can do it better than other people, unfortunately, you know, it's more or less, as long as things aren't subjective, it's probably going to push your career forward, right? Um, so those are two ways there from an analytical standpoint. Um, from the people skills, I think that's just important that um, the roll-ups and the recaps and how you interact with people and different teams is going to is just super important. Uh, anymore, people are being taught to have a general manager mindset, right? So you should be able to do like in my role today. Um, I, I touch some of the buying stuff. I do some of the replenishment stuff. I do some of the demand stuff, which is forecasting. Um, I've got another team that's modulars. So if you go down an aisle at Walmart and you see the stuff on the side counter, that's called that's called a modular. And there's different things that happen in that job than what I do. I can do a little bit of that. So you have to be able to have that general manager mindset. I think that's important. You can still be a SME, a subject matter expert in your role today, but you have to be able to cross pollinate into different categories or positions in order to set yourself apart from other people. It's a competitive market. Um, there's a lot of smart um, graduates, whether it be undergrads um, or people coming in with MBAs and stuff right now that, I mean, they're good. <laughs> I've seen some people come in and just like knock my socks off, so. Well, and it's important what you said, wearing multiple hats. I think that's how, I mean, and AP have talked about this in previous episodes that that's where you bring more value, right? By, by 
trying to do those other things and getting experience in those other things while maybe somebody else is just solely focused on their job and, and, and honing their, their craft, you're dabbling in all these other things you just mentioned. And, and so that's going to put you ahead of the pack. Yeah. I think we're, we're, we're past you just doing your job. I think, <laughs> you know, uh, I think, we have to go above and beyond and that, that's exactly right. You have to be able to juggle multiple hats. And that's that's what's getting people promoted to these directors, senior director, VP roles. And if that's what you're striving, not everyone wants to do that, but if that's what you're striving for and that's what you want, then uh, it, sh- it should be no problem because you've got the, the determination and motivation to do it. Um, but that's what you're gonna have to do, unfortunately, or fortunately. Yeah, well, and you built those relationships. You know, that's that's the other piece of, okay, you're learning something, yes, but you're also building that relationship with that person that you're learning from. So, well, man, this is great information. I appreciate you being on here, Josh. Some of the things I took away, um, just just based off of our discussion, obviously, servant leadership is key, uh, especially when you're, you're going into new uncharted territory. Communication is key, right? You have to be able to relate to other people, uh, build a relationship. Um, and then some of the other things that you you had mentioned were, you know, some of the critical thinking, analytical skills uh, that, that also set you apart. Um, and, and that if you dabble in these other things that maybe you're not uh, super experienced in, you, you learn more about and, and it puts you, you know, you're, you're more valuable, you're more valuable asset to your uh, employer, such as Walmart in, in your shoes. So I, I really appreciate all, all the feedback and everything you've given us today. It was great, great insight for uh, our listeners. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. You know, we really appreciate you being a part of the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks, AP. Thanks, Matt. Hopefully we can do it uh, later down the road again. Absolutely. Thanks again to Josh Peak for sharing his story and the lessons learned along the way. Connect with Josh via LinkedIn. The link to his bio is in the show notes. You can also connect with us via the links in the show notes to our LinkedIn profiles, as well as the Driving Force podcast page. We'd love to get your feedback on the show, so please like, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Let us know what you think. On next week's episode, we chat with Elise Fournette, dubbed the Problem Assassin. She's the Project Management Office Manager at Dupre Logistics. Elise will share her journey and give some insight into the lessons she's learned along the way. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, you're closer to your destination than where you started. Don't look back. Don't turn back. Keep moving. Keep pushing forward. And until next time, thanks again for listening.